coaches. Today, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Um, today we have uh, the new head coach at French University, Terry Harrison. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Excited for, uh, in our house, July 4th, uh, the holiday um, is also my wife's birthday, so it's a big weekend in our house. <laughs> well, that, that usually sets precedent. My wife's birthday is two days after Christmas, and I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. Um, before we get started with anything, the flex bone or anything else, I mean, how did you end up, be, end up becoming the head football coach at Friends University? Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a kind of a crazy process and not something I ever, I don't know, dreamed of or anything like that. But, you know, your life takes its own path and winds its way around. But, um, you know, long story short, I grew up in East Texas and um, ended up coming up into, into Kansas and playing small college football here at a place called Sterling College, which is kind of a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, one of the best decisions I ever made in my life, right? But um, went there, met my wife, um, got into high school coaching. So I knew as a player in high school um, that I wanted to be a high school football coach. So Anyway, was teaching PE and high, coaching high school football at Valley Center um, High School, which is you now five minutes north of Wichita. Um, coached high school football there and uh, was the, uh, you know worked my way up from assistant running back coach to offensive line coach. Um, ended up being a defensive coordinator um, through you know three different head coaches there. And we were never really great, um, but just it's a great community and a great school. Um, my, my kids actually still go to school there, and my wife teaches there. But um, anyway, um, new knew I wanted to be a high school a head football coach and so I kind of got out in the Kansas communities and you know meet with people that I really respected and had uh, good reputations and you know a long way around ended up you know moving over to Wichita Heights High School um, as a defensive coordinator and um, working with Rick Wheeler who I who I still consider to be the best football coach I've ever met or ever been around or ever seen on the field or anything like that but I was a defensive coordinator they Heights had just played in three state championships and so I was I uh, the defensive coordinator left to become a head coach and I kind of slid into that position um, and just loved every minute working with coach Wheeler he was the um, athletic director and I ran the weight room and our offices right right beside each other and so what a man if I had never done that I don't think I'd be sitting here today and just having a mentor like that that you know, getting to see him work every day and then just being able to peek in and out of his office and throw stuff at him. Um, anyway, I was defensive coordinator for one year. We actually lived like three houses down from each other. And anyway, um, he he decided to step down after that year and only be the athletic director. Um, and I became the head football coach. And so he stayed on. And so again, what a great opportunity there at Heights High School. Had my mentor as the athletic director there and I was the head football coach and stayed there and, you know, really loved my time there. Thought that would be a job I'd have forever. Um, and just over the course of time, you know, won a bunch of games. I think we were 38 and 16 at the varsity level and, you know, won a bunch of, you know, JV and freshman games as well. 
Um, but I go to church um, with the AD at Bethel College. And just when they had an opening, he reached out to me and asked me to um, be the head football coach at Bethel College. And I told him, absolutely not. Um, but I'd help him find the right guy. And so anyway, I went up to Bethel College and was kind of talking with him through things. And, you know, a little I know they didn't offer me that job while I was there. And just, you know, his challenge to me at that time was, you know, how many guys get to run flex bone at the college level, right? And we all know it's a pretty rare thing. And so Bethel had been probably the worst college football team in all of college football, um, and, you know, in the last 100 years. And so uh, kind of went there not necessarily knowing we'd be any good or not knowing anything about recruiting um, and, uh, you know, ended up being really good and won back-to-back conference championships there. Um, through the COVID year, we won a conference championship, played in a playoff game. I think we played in four different states, which was really cool. Um, and anyway, uh, friends, though, uh, here in Wichita, which is, again, closest university to my home, um, has always been the job in the conference that people thought, you know, how are they not, you know, the best school in the conference? And it's kind of been this little side conversation among coaches in the conference, like, man, if anybody good gets that fringe job or, you know, that fringe job, that fringe job, it's always been a um, something people have talked about. Um you know, and even on the outside, something I knew if, if I ever had that opportunity, not knowing it would ever come across, you know, even when I was at high, high school, everybody's like friends, friends, friends. And so anyway, um, you know, after winning a couple of conference championships, their athletic director and through friends of friends reached out to me. Um, and I ended up coming down and meeting with them and meeting with the president of the college, um, meeting with the athletic director, obviously, and, and just knew that this was um, where I needed to be. And so right after the, the weekend, after our, um, conference champion because we, the weekend after our season ended this last fall um, I met with the players so we played on a Saturday I met with the players on a Sunday and let them know that I was leaving Bethel and you know coming to Fringe University and then you know came out here and so that you know that Bethel let those guys know we were leaving which is extreme probably the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life to be honest with you um, and then that you know an hour later I was meeting with the Fringe players and our entire full-time staff came as well and now we we hit the road and been recruiting and had spring ball and um, just you know, excited about friends. It is a special, special place. And, um, you know, I, I know, I think you and I talked, you're in Ohio, right? And um, people just, you know, until you're out here and see it in person, we hosted a big clinic, had 120 people, 120 coaches out here. And man, they were just blown away because, you know, when you just see something on Twitter or social media, you don't even, it's hard to grasp it until you see it in person, but it really is a special place right in downtown Wichita. And, you know, we're excited to be here and um, we're going to see if we can build this thing into something truly special. Now, I mean, there's several ways we want to take this when we hit a lot of topics, but I mean, the first thing I'd like to ask, especially uh, my, my flexbone guys is, is why the flexbone? Why is that? I mean, it's a very, it's a very good offense. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at any of the, you can easily find flexbone guys. I'll phrase it that way. Cause you just look at stats and who are they usually the top three to four rushing teams. And they're, and, and usually the, they're, they're all successful too. Like it's very hard to find a college flexbone team that isn't, a, a winning program so why do you guys run the flex bone why is that an offense you were pulled towards both at the high school and college level well you know first you know we, we you know the cool part of bell's little shameless plug we're the number one rush team in the country at any level you know people always include ncaa schools they never throw that any eye on there but we ran for 400, 410 yards a game last year at bethel um, maybe one of the best rushing seasons in the <laughs> the last 20 years of any college football team and so we've gotten really good at that and you know the other thing you know flexbone gets it it's a weird deal uh we we talk about a lot it's kind of funny like what what is the what does the flexbone equip like there's nothing like it in any sport uh, with the closest thing i can think is maybe like a knuckleball picture pitcher in major league baseball you don't see a ton of them but when you do they win games but you know they just kind of this 
you know, like a vagabond guy who's a knuckleballer, right? And flexbone's a little bit that way. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing of how it, how and why, you know, it's not as popular at the division one level. I, you know, I don't, who knows, there's probably plenty of answers to that, but, but for me, you know, what's crazy is we've been the number one scoring team in our conference. So in conference play in the last two years, we've scored more points than anyone in our conference, um, somewhere in the 40, mid 40 points per game. I don't know the exact number, 45, 46 points a game. But what's funny is you can be, so the number, the number two scoring team in our conference is like this spread team and people think they're this, you know, uh, they, they are good coaches, by the way. So, but, you know, they, they have the perception of this great offensive coaching and offensive scoring system, and we've scored more points than them. But it's funny how you get the, 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 the negative connotation. Sometimes you can get with flex bonus, you know, whatever it might be, three yards in cloud of dust, milk the clock, but, hey, man, we're trying to score. And that's what we do. And we've done it at a really high level, but sometimes being a flexible school, like it's just really funny. We've, we've scored more points than anyone, but you can you sometimes outside of the flexible community, you don't even, you don't get recognized for that. So that's been an interesting thing, but, um, but you no, know, having said that, why flexible? Um, so I was a spread quarterback, um, got moved to flexible tight end my senior year of college. And with the same exact players, we went from 0 and 10 to I think five and five or four. And, I can't remember. It was right around 500. Um, but I moved from quarterback to tight end. So I was, a, you know, basically an offensive tackle um, with an eligible number um, and just fell in love with it at that time. You know, with, the rules were very different at that time. So the below the waist blocking was, you know, even, you know, more um, physical and violent. And so I loved doing that. It was awesome for me. And then I ended up coaching offensive line in it. And, you know, it's just for whatever reason, look, man, the flex bone ain't for everybody. And sometimes people go on these crusades and it's like they pick their division one school and they go on this Twitter um, people, this school, you know, Vanderbilt, KU, they need to run flexible. Look, man, it ain't for everybody. And I'm not that guy, but it is for me. Um, it fits my eye. It fits my um, personality. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's what intrigues me. It's what I get excited about. Like if I wasn't coaching flexbone, I just wouldn't be coaching football, to be honest with you. Um, I, I love it. And, but I do understand it's not for everybody. So anyway, having said that, that that's why I love it. I think it's the greatest offense in football. Um, I think it's the hardest to defend, you know, as a former D coordinator, I know, you know, how it is. it's one of those deals. Every D coordinator says they hate to defend it. They don't want to prepare for it. Um, but, uh, you know, 99% of offense coordinators run the spread and are playing to the defensive strengths that, you know, at some level. So what people want to see. And so, you know, that's kind of our deal, but I, I absolutely love it. I think it's um, man, just the, the inherent team aspect of it. Um, you never know, you know, one night it might be the left slots, time to run for 200 yards and the next Saturday it might be the right slots and then the next Saturday might be the quarterback but it's just the you know having to block for each everybody has to block for each other and and that unselfishness that it, that it requires um and then obviously the way we've included the receivers in our in our passing game has been super cool and we're excited about that to you know to add that next dimension of throwing the football um, which everybody's chasing but I, I really do think we're we're the as unique as anyone running this offense and our ability to do that than the way we're coaching it and, and kind of the resources we've sought out to make this an elite passing team. So, you know, definitely excited about that. What's been funny is, you know, even on our end, the, you know, coming here to friends, you know, the kids play against it. We played against each other and, and they're kind of, you know, they knew we ran this offense and, you know, what does that mean? And having to meet the guys and teach it and then just watching their, their eyes kind of light up and get excited about it and the way we prepare kids. And, you know, so it's, it's been cool to, to see kids here kind of, kind of get you know fully bought into running it as well so um, but that's that's why I like it man we've been winning you know I think our our track record is is what it is man and we won at the high school level won at the, at the college level now and and we're taking it bringing it to Fringe University and trying to um, try to replicate that here.
Now, when you started to install this and develop this offense, what resources did you pull from? I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the obvious ones are like Harding and the Division One level, but where were you, like, when you were putting this together and as you've modified it over the years, where do you try to pull from and talk to? Um, obviously, you've spoken a little bit on it as well, but as you've built this offense, who do you kind of minds pick? Yeah, well, you know, I, luckily, years ago, 2013 is when I first met Kenny Wheaton, um, and he's a, you know, just a good friend and a great man, and and his influence has been awesome. Kevin Chisholm, the offensive line coach at Harding, um, those guys have just been awesome guys, great resources, and we're all, you know, at some level, we're kind of all in it together. We don't compete against each other, so we can share ideas and meet with each other, and um so obviously the Harding guys, uh, Rick Wheeler, who was at high school, we were a flexible school at high school. And so, you know, the success we had there, a um, little bit of his, his influence. And then, um, you know, our slot coach, who's our recruiting coordinator, actually played at Harding. His name's Eric Kelly. And so hit him as a resource, as a player, having done it and then played at Harding. And then uh, Jeremy Reed is our offensive coordinator who, um, you know, he was a high school coach in UConn and, you know, hosted this big option clinic that I went to every year. And then, you know, during the COVID year, had the opportunity for him to join us full-time on staff. And so, um, quite honestly, that's kind of our circle. Um, it's a pretty tight circle, but I do think it's the guys that are doing it at the highest level. And if you look at, you know, stats, I think you could argue that pretty easily, you know. And so, uh, man, we're, we're, we're just doing this thing, trying to trying to build something we can all be proud of. But, you know, I've, I, I was a play caller. I've, I've been the offensive line coach ever since I've started, you know, being a head coach. And so, I do the offensive line with Coach Reed doing the quarterbacks and B-backs, and then we have a former Harding player who I think is the best slot coach in the country um, at whatever, you know, pick your flexbone school. And so we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a really good staff here who's all in this thing together and, you know, having Kenny as a resource and Kevin. Um, and then, you know, we had uh, Mike Seawalk came out to our last one of our two clinics ago, and he spoke. So getting to pick Seawalk's brain now that he's retired, um, he's had some influence. Um, yeah, and so just just, you know, guys like that and then, you know, we recently got into, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you've heard of Dub Maddox, who's a big, you yeah. know, big, uh, he, we've really been bouncing a lot of stuff off of him. And we've really, um, he's a phenomenal coach. Um, in no way are we reinventing what he's doing in the R4 world, but we are including the R4, um, uh, the, the communication with our quarterback play and our receivers. And that's where we think we've made the biggest jump. So, you know, if you can think for guys that are flexible guys or football guys out there, um, the way we've ran the football and, and the Kenny Wheaton influence in the running game. And now we have the Dub Maddox um, influence in the R4 world in the passing game and, and game planning game. And so it's been where we are truly excited to see what that might look like, you know, here at Fringe University. Now, I mean, you, you, you've rebuilt, well, you're trying, you're trying to rebuild and get friends to the potential that you see it in. You rebuilt Bethel. I mean, what, what is like when you enter a, a program for the first time, what is like your, priority order what are the things you kind of focus on first obviously that not that really most of that's usually not scheme that's fine but what is your kind of priority list obviously I think one of your priorities going to friends was bringing as many of your staff as humanly possible with you but what is your kind of priority list how do you prioritize okay this is what we're this is where we're going to start yeah that's that's an awesome question and man I you know it's funny like I'm just a you know I grew up in a trailer park in East Texas. I'm not that smart, I, I don't think. But I I think it comes down to football. Um, and in my experience is how you treat people. You know, we obviously culture is a big deal. Um, and people talk about it a lot in, in a good way. Like it, it can get a little overused probably, but but that's not bad. 
Um, but for us, it was number one, what you mentioned was getting our full-time staff here, right? So had our full-time staff not been able to come, you know, we would have never left Bethel because it is a good school and, and we had awesome players there. Um, but once we got here, it, it was simply, you know, we have nothing to sell, you know? And so in recruiting, you hear about sales and this, and then I've heard so many guys think, well, we run the flex bonus, we have to come in and sell these kids on why we do it. Um, and we didn't do that. Um, I, I have nothing to sell to anyone. Um, we've been very good and, and we, we, we do a lot of cool things. Um, but more than that, it was just getting in with the players. And so what I did here, which I'm, I'm probably, which I didn't do at Bethel necessarily just because it was a little bit of a different circumstance. I came in and just watched them. So in the, our, we have a strength conditioning coordinator here, obviously who does a great job and he's got a staff and everything. And so we just came in the weight room and we did not, I did not come in and tell the strength coach what to do. I did not come in and do anything. I simply came in and watched these young men lift together. And I watched them interact with each other and was just taking mental notes and, and sometimes notes on paper of what we saw. Um, and it, it was probably the, I'm glad I did that. I'd never done that before at Bethel. It was, Hey, I showed up and this is what we're doing. And this is how we do it. Right. Which ended up being successful. Um, but we had some issues come up there, you know, in the first couple months of being there that we just didn't know existed. And we had to learn that the hard way. Whereas here, when I just came in and observed, got to see some things. Right. And then we got to teach our guys like, Hey, this is what we saw in the weight room today. You know, winners don't do that. Champions don't do that. And then you can address those things as they came. And I thought that was, you know, that was super cool. And, and we didn't, we didn't tell them anything. We just observed and high five kids and kind of did a little evaluation, I guess, of who the leaders were, who had influence, who didn't, um, maybe who had that weird look like they're not all in type of deal. And then we could have some individual conversations after that. And it was really, really happy about that. What's cool is the kids and friends were so hungry. You know, friends hadn't had a winning season in eight years. I think um, it was, you know, they really struggled the last two years here. I mean, it was, big time on the field and off the field struggle to say the least. And so these kids were hungry. So the kid, you can imagine, right? Like any program, the kids that have stayed here, love it. They love friends. They love football. And so they were super hungry, um, but we were able to kind of, Hey, slow down, slow down, slow down, which was awesome. And then, then when we finally did take over and say, Hey, Hey, this is how we lift. This is how we interact with each other. Um, and then we started doing some meetings to teach scheme that I think it was more powerful because we knew, we kind of knew where the flaws might, might've been, which we wouldn't have known otherwise. And so that was, that was really cool. And then, you know, I, like I said, you can have sayings and you can have mottos, but I think team culture is how kids feel after you talk to them and how the kids feel when they're around each other, whatever motto you, you want to use any of the, any of that. Um, that's what team culture is to me. And then it boils down to, do they trust you as a coach and do they, you know, do, do they, do they really believe you care about them? And that's kind of, that's what we do. I know it's, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds like a super simple um, explanation, but that really is, you know, who we are. It's like, we have some sayings and that's cool. Um, we could change those tomorrow though, but how we treat kids is still going to be the same. Um, and then proving that every day, right? Because every coach, every coach in America tells their team, hey, we're going to be a family and we're going we're gonna to make sure we take care of you and all this and we're going to take care of your bodies and we're going to do this or that. And then they don't live up to that, right? And so what we do is, you know, I, I, I'm just very honest with kids. Like, look, every coach says this, every coach says that, but we're going to prove it to you. Um, and that's what we do every day. And um, retention has been really good. You know, some, you know, like anything, there's transitioning. There's some kids that needed to leave and there's some kids that chose to leave. But that, that's been pretty small here, here at Friends because the kids, I think how we make them feel and, and we've proven every day that, 
you know, we're going to take care of them and, you know, we're going to develop them. And so that's, um, that's been our focus and it, it's went really well. And our kids show up here now in about 15 days. And so we're excited to build on what we had this spring. Now you mentioned coaching offensive line there. Um, where do you start in the flex zone when you're coaching your office, especially at a new school, where is your kind of starting point drill wise, communication wise, foundationally wise? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, we try to adapt and, and fit wherever we're at, you know, here, um, you know, friends was a spread school, no kid had been in a three point stance or at least not a, not a ton. And so, you know, quite honestly, college is nice because our kids, you know, we do have some group time we can do with kids in the spring prior to spring ball. Um, and, and we really did. We, we introduced, um, we did some, I forget what we call them now, but essentially we had group kids, kids come out in groups to the field. Uh, well, we did classroom first. We taught them who to block, right? schemes and they, they were learning who to block and what their assignments are and what their rules are um, in a meeting room right and we did a, we did the entire offense together so o-line we're hearing quarterback stuff quarterback we're hearing o-line stuff we think that's pretty powerful when you teach um concepts and and, and coach reed did a great job of that um, it's probably the most in-depth we've ever been at that as far as when we've taken over somewhere i think our kids at bethel ended up understanding all the concepts really well we tried to do that on the front and here at friends and teach the concepts and the whys which is really cool. But then, um, so they've seen all the video of the drills. Before we did one drill with the players, they saw every video, uh, they saw every drill technique um, and rule on video. And then we went out and, um, you know, we, we, we really did broke it down simply getting in a stance. What is a great stance? And, you know, which sounds so, I mean, God, it's funny to think about that where we had been for four years, but here, you know, when they'd only been in a two point stance, that's pretty, um, that's a different deal. So getting them comfortable in a stance, um, and then doing board drills, um, board drills for us is footwork. It's not like hitting each other, um, footwork and ball get off. So, um, I, I, there's a lot of different ways to do technique, but I think you can't, um, for my, my personal, um, my flavor of Boston's offensive line is nothing replaces ball get off. And we're talking those sprinting off the ball, those first two steps. So that's been our big focus here, friends. That's going to be my focus this fall, um, is all about, you know, how you start and how you finish, right? So all the stuff in between, we can fix where your hands are, your steps. Um, but in the end, if, if you're not coming off the ball like you really mean it, um, you know, you're going to struggle. And so for me, that's what it's boiled down is ball get off. And so that's where we started with our guys. Um, so they know who to block on the, on the, in the meeting rooms and, you know, on the scheme side. But then it really is how you start that. And that's all about ball get off. And that's been our focus. And um, they did a, our kid, we had 16, you know, spring ball. We had 16 practices and man, they did. They did awesome, man. By the time we had the big, uh, we've always hosted the National Option Clinic. Um, that's how I met Jeremy Reed a long time ago. And then since he came on staff, we actually host it. Um, and by the time those coaches showed up here on practice 16, it looked like a whole different, a whole different team, you know, because our kids had never done it, you know. And yeah. we were a little nervous at first, like, man, we're hosting 120 coaches on our campus and these kids had never done it. But they did. Our kids did a great job and they actually, they looked pretty polished, all things considered. And so building on that is going to be awesome. And and our O-line, the O-linemen here, they've embraced, uh, you know, going going forward instead of kick-stepping all the time. And I think as an O-lineman, there's a little bit of freedom in that, right? We're going to yeah. deliver the blow instead of take it. So that's been cool. Now, I, I mean, you mentioned scheme a little bit there. How much from a scheme perspective do you, do you start severely simpler instead of trying to put the whole thing on? Because, again, they've just run spread the past couple of years. Or do you just treat like normal and like go or like really? Because at Bethel, how much did you progress over those three years at the same time? Well, you know, the thing is that you know, in these flex bone guys, you know, we're you know, we don't we threw every. I guess let me let me start the first. We ended up doing everything we did at Bethel. So our kids at Friends have ran every. They did everything. So by the 16th practice, 
they were doing everything we would have done at Bethel. Um, so if that to answer your question, um, but, but no, we, we, we run what, what you do is in my opinion, we, we, we run every scheme and then you can work back on some details of things. And then we focus so much on little details because that is where, what makes the difference and what probably makes us, uh, or we hope at least one of the best teams at the country, if not the best staff in the country doing this, that's our goal, right? Whether we are or not, you know, that's arguable, but we, we really want to be that. So then, you know, we, I guess we kind of did it maybe in a little bit slower chunks than we would have done it. You know, like if, you, if we had been here for four years, you kind of hit the ground running. Um, so instead of maybe putting something in in a three practice set, we might have spread it out over six, but the end result was still the same. By practice 16, we had everything in. And so that that was cool. And we, you know, we just like to throw the ball. Kids like throwing and catching. And so we we, we devote more time to that than other schools do that, that run this stuff. And so um, that, that was fun to do. And, you know, I've been working hard on teaching pass pro better. Um, because that's you know when you're committed to throwing the ball a little bit that's as a flex bone you watch some flex bone teams and it looks almost embarrassing when they try to pass pro you know or throw the ball and I, you know it's funny because it's true right yeah. and so that's my that's my hope like don't be the worst pass protection guy in the world and so that's what we worked hard on is some details of pass pro and i got to kind of for lack of better terms nerd out on that this spring with our guys and, and the cool part was right it's one of the benefits of when you inherit a spread team these kids had been doing some pass pro so quite honestly, I learned a little bit of details from them that they had learned previously and then just added my own little, you know, flair. And, you know, because we do see it's not the same when you're two point stance, kick stepping all the time and vertical setting and horizontal stepping as opposed, you know, we're in our stance and the way defenders just play it's a little different. So to get the pass, to get in position to pass pro, the setup's a little different, but the end result's still the same. And so, um, yeah, so we threw, I guess yeah, that was a long answer. We threw every, we threw everything at them and they did a great job and, Quite honestly, by practice 16, we, we could have played a game um, no different with everything in that we would have had, at, you know, whether I was at Heights High School or Coach Reed at UConn or, or us at Bethel or, you know, now at Friends. And so they the kids did just an amazing job of that. Now, for, from an install progression standpoint, where do you guys – what is your typical install progression from a play standpoint-wise kind of look like? Everybody's yeah. – different on what they start with. Some start with outside veer, some start with inside veer, some start with midline. Where, what is your kind of typical install progression kind of look like? Uh, we, we start with inside veer. Um, we think that's the greatest play in football. I think we ran, you know, it was crazy. Over 50% of our offense was inside veer and zone dive last year, which is pretty unique. Um, there's not a lot of guys that are running inside veer as much as people think, um, you know, at the college level. But um, we start with inside veer. And, and then we build off of that. There's just so, there's some unique timing things with inside veer you have to really work on because you want that thing hitting so hard downhill, um, and it's hard to get kids to do that right. And you have to really commit to being a great inside veer team, and um, it, at least if you, at the details of it, right? Anybody can run inside veer, but but to be really what we think elite at it, which we we believe we were, um, that's where we started. And then you know we build everything off of that. So every play and every scheme and every tag, all that stuff stems from inside veer. Um, and then, you know, how the defense reacts to that. And so, it, you know, it really is a system. Um, like I said, there's, there's so many great systems out there. Of, you know, spread teams are generally built off inside zone, right? And they yeah. build everything off of that. And then they start, they start adapting their scheme to that. And there's so many great schools that are doing that. And, you know, we're, we're no different. We're, exact, we're actually the exact same. And any great system has a base. And for us, like you mentioned, that's inside veer. Uh, and, and we go from there. And so that's um, – that's where we start, and that's what we spend. What we we probably spend the most time on that. And um, like I said, it's a it's a work in progress. It takes patience, and you just gotta 
sometimes you got to just scratch a practice up and know you're going to have to get on film and fix it the next day. And if you're willing to do that, inside beer pays off big time. And it has for us. And um, we, it, it really, it really, last year we were really good at it at Bethel. And so we, we want to build that up here at Friends. Okay. Now you mentioned details there. What detail, especially like as you watch other triple teams or high school teams that run the triple, what details do you, or talking to coaches, what details do you think they miss when they're installing inside veer or other uh, zone, not zone, geez, option place? Yeah. I mean, uh, inside veer, the thing, you know, the, the, the most unique thing is it's actually a downhill play. You know, you know, when I played quarterback in high school, we ran a little bit inside veer, nothing like we do here, but you know, it's the idea of pitching and floating and thing getting to the sideline, whereas really it's, you know, it's trying to get guys going downhill um, and finding the right alley where that is, you know, you know, it's unique to your own school, but where, where you hit getting downhill. And so the timing of the motion, uh, so everything from the motion has to fit the quarterback's footwork, but has to fit the timing of the offensive line. And when you're arc blocker, you know, all, it's just a timing. It's a little bit like ballet, believe it or not, is is just, a, it's, it's choreographed, right? The whole the timing of where all these things hit, because if one thing is off, if the arc block is off, if the quarterback's footwork is off, you know, if the offensive line splits aren't correct, I mean, there's just so many things that affect it. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, it's hard as a staff and you, you can't, you know, the way we coach it, you know, we, it ain't ever the kid's fault. It's always the coach. So we have no feelings, man. We come in here and, you know, between coach Reed, coach Kelly, myself, and then, um, we have a, a graduate assistant coming here to coach receivers who actually played for us at Bethel, who's a phenomenal spot for us. But we got to have no feelings to be like, hey, this is where the the this is where the weak leak is, and having to tweak it and adjust it. And so it, that's why, to be really good at beer, that's that's why is because it it takes so much to be great at it, and you can't have feelings on you know whose kids are messing up. You just got to go attack it and fix it. And so for us, that's fun. It's not, you know, we don't have feelings as far as whose kids may may need a little more work. We we think that's fun to get it working correctly. And, you know, we've taught our, our players at Friends that what, what it takes to be great at running inside beer. And so, you know, then when you're coaching these kids up, it's not attacking them, right? They, they are embracing the, the, you know, the critiquing and the, man, we grade our kids every hard, uh, really hard every day. And we watch film with them and, you know, they, they, they just done an awesome job of embracing what they've been, you know, what they've struggled with and, you know, I think what's cool, it kind of ties back to the culture piece. They know like, hey, this is a me issue. Like if our offensive line aren't doing things right, that's a that's a Coach Harrison problem, right? Um, as long as those guys are going hard and, and playing extremely hard. And it, it's been cool to be at a new school where, you know, maybe the culture previously, and, and this can happen anywhere, but where maybe the previous staff was more negative and kid blamers um, to come here and be a part of our staff, which we never blame kids. It is always, hey, this is a coaching problem. Um, and so I think it's, it's been cool to watch our kids embrace that. And I think it makes kids want to play harder for you. And, you know, that's the coaches we want to be and, and, the, and the team culture we want to have. And uh, that's been, uh, been really cool. And, you know, getting our guys, getting your guys to do practice at full speed. You know, I, I think I saw you had Tony Holler on here. We, yes, sir. Big time. We, 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 we have fully embraced his philosophy, uh, fully the best we can, right? He's such a, he's so smart, you know, sometimes he says stuff, but, we we do our best to embrace that as much as possible, right? I can't say 100% because I'm not an expert on it, but we do, we, we love our, we, we do the whole no sweat thing and, and we try to limit how much we, we we have kids running mindlessly. You know, we don't do team conditioning and that stuff. So we get, so getting your kids, I guess that was a long way around to get kids to play full speed, right? So our slots know, hey, we're running inside here. We need a full speed rep because we're not going to run gassers. We're not going to kill your legs. So to get the exact timing, you have to have 100% rep from your backside slot, 100% rep from your full side, front side slot, 
and our kids know that is their conditioning and we're not you know we're not going to have them running a bit, you know, they're not, they're not trying to save their cells for anything, I yeah. guess is the point. And so that's been, you know, super cool and, and fun. And um, yeah, so it was interesting to see you had him as a guest because we really do, and we love that stuff. And it's been very impactful for our program and we've seen the benefit of it. Now we'll come back to that here in a second. I want to hit my other question first. It, for, from a group and, and pod situation, what do you guys kind of focus on drill wise that, is, is there anything you do differently or that sets you out or is there any one drill that you're kind of like, Hey, this is kind of what we have to get done because it helps inside veer or so-and-so. Yeah. You know, we half line is big for inside veer. That's a, you know, that's a staple among most um, option schools and, and, and flexible schools, especially guys that know Kenny and, and our staff. Um, so half lines where we really get good veer reps in um, and, you know, that's where you're not having your backside guard tackle. You're running, you're working center, frontside guard, frontside tackle. Um, that, that's our bay rep. Option drill is a big deal, and that's with your um, quarterbacks, you know, center slots, B-back, um, whatever you're calling receivers, where you're working on timing with co- so your cones or your offensive lineman type of deal. But that's really where we, we re- work hard on inside beer at those times. And then obviously offensive line are doing our own individual work. Um, and so that's, that's where we do that. Love, um, you know, they kind of go in and out of the three on three. So if you've seen pods, like three on three pod for flex bone teams, and then your tackle slot pod, you know, p- p- kids, p- teams and, and programs have gone in and out of that, but we've just fully embraced that, man, that three on three segment. Um, we try to really, when we work with high school staffs across, across the country, really try to stress a hey, three on three is a big deal. Um, but, but it takes a high capacity for boredom because you got to just do it and do it and do it. And it's the same thing over and over. So when you talk of details, how do you rep details? You just, you can't chase schemes and you can't chase plays. You have to really like, we're going to get really good at this. And so um, that that's where we love three on three. That, that's my favorite drill personally. And then obviously our tackle slot pod has been, has been phenomenal. And coach Kelly generally runs that with our, cause he's a slot and he, and he really works our tackles during that time. And so that's been, you know, phenomenal when you have a small staff, when you can pot it out like that, that's been good. And um, what we've probably done more now um, is trying to move, like we've, we've included a uh, half line play action pass. And so now, we actually throw the ball 20 minutes a day in group work, right? So most options schools, it's like you warm up, you throw a couple of play action passes and the rest is all run game. But we've actually, you know, we commit 20 minutes a day, which in a flake bone world is a big deal um, to throw in the football. And we do that in a half line world where we get to work every protection. And that's where we've really got to develop working on the, 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 the details of pass pro. And that's what, that's new to us doing it that way. And so we hope, I mean, we, the receivers here have been awesome there. We actually inherited a great group of receivers and, and quarterbacks that we really like. And so, you know, showing those guys, Hey, you know, when you start teaching them this R4 world that, that you may be familiar with or people have read about, man, it has been, so you go to a spread school and they're worried that this flexible staff comes in and like, what about throwing the ball? And then we get them on a whiteboard and start talking through our passing game and passing concepts and all the details of that to get on the field. And it's the highest. So every receiver we have on our, in our program, I said, this is the highest level of passing game content, passing game schemes, passing game details that they've ever been a part of. And so that, that was a huge compliment to us. And that's kind of the deal, right? If, you know, you know, like we talked about, right? These guys go on Twitter crusades every time a division one football job opens up and say they need to run flex bone. Well, if you're going to walk into any job in the country, whether that's fringe university, um, you know, Wichita Heights high school, um, you know, pick your school and you're a flex bone school, you're going to have to address that right? Well, how are we going to throw the ball? And if you're a receiver, it's not, you know, look, our receivers block their butt off, right? 
but spread t- spread receivers do the same thing, right? You, yeah, that's not unique to the flex bone. Unfortunately, it gets kind of made out to be that way. How are you going to go into a room and when you have these talented receivers who are good players that can help you win football games, how can you show them that, hey, this is what we do in the passing game? And that's been our commitment, right? And I think that's what probably makes us the most, of anything we do, that probably what makes us the most different because we could go sit in a room right now. You know, we're near K-State and we're near KU. Um, we really believe we could go in a room right now and we could start talking passing game and those receivers will be coached, hopefully, right, coached at the highest level they've ever been coached in the passing game. And that's been our goal. And that's what we did here at Friends and those, the receivers have loved that. And so we commit them, we commit to that um, in our pods as well. So we have pods for running, pods for passing, and it's been, man, super cool. And so now we feel comfortable as a staff, you know, we could go into any room in America, any, any wide receiver room in America, and we can get those receivers up on a whiteboard and they can learn from us. Pick, you know, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, you pick it. What we hope is that we can teach those guys um, something in the passing game to where they know, hey, these guys do, they do know their stuff when you, when you start talk, talking about putting the ball in the air outside of just our elite running game. Now, I mean, you, you mentioned something there, the, the tackle slot pod. What does that actually look like in, in detail? Because that, that's one I've not had much guys mention about. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's truly, you know, your tackle slot. So tackle here, slot, right? And we work um, anything from zone dives to veer arcs to veer loads, mid doubles. You know, anytime those two guys are working together, it, it's all work, work rocket toss. You know, and it's making sure what we do is we, we make sure their feet. So we're timing, are their feet matching, right? Do their feet match? And as all the, we talk about nerding out on little details, right? That's, that's yeah. what we do there, right? We film everything. Um, if you don't have a drone for your practices, buy one. Love yeah. drones. Biggest fan of drones. Um, so we drone that. And, you know, we, whether it's an injured player or, uh, you know, we do have some GAs. We actually just hired a GA who's going to be our drone guy. And so, um, that's how much we believe in it. We're 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 committing an entire position to drones, right? That's how much powerful that is. And so we're you know maybe one day we drone the three on three, and the next next time we do pause, we drone the tackle slot combo. And it is truly that. It is watching their feet. Does it time correctly to then fit in with the scheme timeline? Um, and so we don't run a ton of schemes like like anybody good. We don't run a bunch of schemes. But man, when you start breaking down our schemes, does everything fit together? And so that's the puzzle pieces, right? This three-on-three period you have over here, this tackle slot thing, and that way when you put it together, does it all jive? And so that's 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 truly what it is. It's just the tackles and the slots and every scheme they would run, how that jive together. And it, you know, you do as a coach, do you hold a kid to a high standard and do your kids embrace the details and of their steps matching and stuff like that? No, perfect. Now you also mentioned feed the cats earlier. And again, you you obviously said you're not a rocket scientist or PhD in it. But, <laughs> but how, one, when did you discover it? And two, um, how have you begun to adapt it in a little bit more in detail to your program? Yeah, so discovered. I mean, I don't know. Um, you, but you know how it is. It's such so it's popular, right? I I guess I don't know how popular it is, but it, at least on my Twitter feed, Twitter's like dumb and awesome. Like it's the stupidest yeah. thing in the world and the best thing in the world all at the same time. And so we're not on every social media, but we definitely Twitter's a thing, right? And so just seeing that and then, um, you know, becoming a problem solver. So very fortunate enough, fortunate at friends, right? We have two full-time strength coaches and we have two strength GAs, beautiful weight room that rivals division one schools across the country. Um, so here we have a strength coach who is phenomenal. I've actually known him a long time. He was a high school coach in Wichita, but he does a great job. So we don't have to worry about it. At Bethel, we had no strength coach 
no GA. We, um, we worked out in the basement of an old dorm. We had four squat racks, four benches, and some machines. That's what we had at Bethel College, okay, in a basement that was, you know, that flooded every now and then. And so I was a strength guy um, and at the high school level, but when you get into the college game, when you start doing recruiting, um, all of the things, and not to make it sound harder than it is, but there just are some things, recruiting is its own thing, right? And it's its own time-consuming thing. And so what happened was we have a small staff, right? We don't have the giant staff that these Division I schools have. And so what, what I felt like was happening was strength conditioning. Honestly, it's really hard to develop players without a strength conditioning coach, right? And so what the prob so we had that problem. And so I was into the feed the cats thing as far as researching it. And like, yes, I believe, you know, obviously it's just common sense. That's what's crazy. Like yeah. people, I mean, it's like, the funny part is when you listen to, to Mr. Holler, Coach Holler, forgive me, speak, it's like, yeah, it's just, that makes sense. You know, it's just like you said, that makes sense. And so for me, when, when you find someone like that who's passionate, who's obviously an expert at what he does, um, I'm not going to try to outsmart him because, I, you know, when you listen to him speak and you see people like the Joey G guy um, yeah. at, um, is it Florida Atlantic? Florida I don't Atlantic, know. yes, sir. Atlantic. But, I mean – I, how am I going to sit here and act like I know more than that guy or have some opinion? I'm going to try to put my own tweak on their system. What I do is just like in the flex mode world, I could teach Joey Z a lot. Okay. I'm, I'm, I believe I'm an expert. I have nothing to teach him as far as feed the cats and strength conditioning. So long story short or long way around, we see these guys that I just believe like, Hey, that's 100%. If I could hire Tony Holler tomorrow, I would do it. I wish I had a million dollars to do it. If I could hire Joey G tomorrow, I would hire those guys. Like, I just believe, just watch those guys. And it's, yeah. to me, it's evident, right? So anyway, when I was at Bethel and had no strength coach, I reached out to Derek Smith, who's a high school strength coach in Arkansas. Yes. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, or not. Yeah. He's, he's also hilarious. But anyway, I reached out to him and said, hey, man, what would it take for you to do our programming for us? So to, so to alleviate my time of trying to figure out, hey, this is what, you know, sets and reps for this day all the periodization across the calendar year. So at Bethel College, Coach Smith, who's a Southside Arkansas guy, was doing our program. Okay, so we, Smith Performance, I believe is his company. And so we used Team Builder. He would, our kids were on Team Builder and he was programming everything for our kids at Bethel College from um, South in, in Arkansas, where I forget the name of the town he's in right now, but that's where Southside's the high school, where Kenny Simpson's the head coach there at football. Yes. So he was programming strength conditioning for our kids. I went down there, I videoed the weight room and took pictures of it. And I sent him every piece of equipment we had. And Coach Smith was doing our program. And then me and him would talk once every couple, three weeks. But, but anyway, I told him, I was like, hey, I, I really would love you to do this. If you can incorporate the feed the cat type of training, that's what we would like to do. So we we're out there. Our kids were doing flying tens. They were doing uh, the 10-yard bird, all the stuff that, that the feed the cat thing. He was programming that for us to the best of our ability, right, with pretty limited resources. And so he could see our um, – and we had the vert jump pads, you know, so I bought vert jump mats and the uh, the speed timing thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was able to see our kids' results on those things. So he was training our kids and coach, being our strength coach is as best as possible, right? You know, I let them know, like, hey, man, you ain't here. We're, we're down here and we're monitoring the kids. And it was crazy, though, because our kids – we had a remote strength coach that was significantly obviously he knows more about strength conditioning than i he just does yeah 
him training us and programming it from Arkansas, having never been on our campus, we had better results than when we were trying to do it. It's crazy, right? So anyway, but we started doing that stuff and we started seeing some the speed gains and the explosiveness and we won conference. Look, we won back-to-back conference championships and Coach Smith, the high school strength coach in Arkansas was, our, was doing our programming. Um, and so anyway, I just got tired of trying to pretend to be a strength coach. I'm not. Um, and so that, that's when we got into it. Um, we started um, incorporating like no sweat days like a lot of people do, but that ended up being my favorite day. Um, I love no sweat days. It, it, our kids loved it. Um, we believe we've seen a benefit. Um, and so we do that. And then obviously we, we brought that over to here at, um, at, at Fringe University. And so, so yeah, we're, we're doing the best we can. Um, it's actually one of my goals is to try to, I want to go and listen to, to Coach Holler speak. Um, just, I just think he's phenomenal, man. I think when you have a resource like that, who truly is an expert at something, man, I want to try to learn everything I can from him. And, and then Coach Smith out there, if there's any high school coach, I mean, I, I get nothing. I mean, I have nothing to gain. Um, we have a strength coach now, so I don't, we don't have Coach Smith doing our programming anymore. But I would do that in a heartbeat. If you're struggling with strength conditioning um, and, and you may be programming um, and not sure what to do, what a great resource that, that it, you know, I'd reach out to him and see if he could help you out because it, it was worth every, it was worth everything for us. And, and um, it, it was game changing. We want to, you know, we were top, I don't know, we were top 20 team in the country nationally for two years straight, got made a playoff game, um, back-to-back conference championships, and he was doing our programming. So if you can start, if you can swap, I guess the biggest issue with feed the cats is uh, people kind of putting their ego aside and, and learning from someone else, right. And not, not letting your own opinions or your own, uh, maybe your own history or your experience um, kind of jade you in that regard. Now, you mentioned no sweat days. What does your typical practice look like on a no sweat day? Um, it, it, I want to say it's 45 minutes to an hour. So, you know, now that Coach Reed's come on board, him and our defensive coordinator actually build our practice schedules. I kind of just make sure it's, you know, I kind of give some general guidelines. So, um, Coach Reed will laugh if he listens to this because he, him and Coach Kemp, they really nerd out on the practice schedule. But it, it's 45 minutes to an hour. But what we do is we're able to work on, like, situations. So we don't do a ton of situation work during the week. We just kind of teach our kids what to do, you know, work on our schemes. Um, But when we go to no sweat day, because we are truly walking, we actually do fundamentals. So we'll do our indie period, but it's a true walk, right? So like board drills for O-line, which is a footwork drill, right? We do the exact same drill work. We just walk it. Um, And it is cool. So, so instead of trying to hammer a six inch step fast all the time, we do a slow, a walk, a no sweat walking six inch step, little stuff like that. Uh, working body posture when you're, um, you, when you're base blocking people. So we, we do the, that the start of practice is the same where you do indie work. You just walk it. Uh, we also, you know, 3d coaching is a big part of our program. Um, and so we do a lot of peer coaching at that time. So, you know, what, what we, what we have seen huge impact is our office of coaches, we will walk to the 50-yard line, and we tell our guys, hey, this is a peer, 10 minutes of peer coaching, right? Um, and I've seen Coach Reed do this, and then I still look from him, right? That's our quarterback coach. Hey, these two quarter, you, you, know, you two quarterbacks are going to work together. Quarterback A, tell quarterback B what you're struggling with and let them coach you on it. Quarterback B, tell quarterback A what you're struggling with, it, and you take turns doing five minutes of coaching each other. And okay. you want to talk about huge impacts on your program. Have your kids coach each other. So then you have a you have one player who has admitted, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? So think about the the when you talk about team culture, 
if you can create an environment where two players who want the same thing, one can be vulnerable enough to tell this other player, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I don't understand this. Or, man, I'm, my second step is really slow. I'm working on this position. What, I mean, whatever it is. And then for the next player, he's like, oh, yeah, man, let, let, me, let me watch you here and help you and coach you up. But when you, when you want to see really big jumps, and those, that's what we saw. When we became uh, the number one rush team in the country at any level, that, it was after we started doing those things. And we really, more than the stats, um, I guess the reason why I even threw that stat out there is you can be really elite at something and let your kids coach each other. And so we try to care. No Sweat Day is a big day for peer coaching, I guess is a long story. Uh, the long way around that is uh, peer coaching is a big deal on that day. We do situations because what we are found, what we kind of, when you, when we look at ourselves and we try to be really hard on ourselves as coaches, um, what we found was when do you work on two, we weren't, as a flexible in school, we weren't working on two minute drill very often. Well, now we can do that. We can do that on no sweat day. So we actually no sweat our two minute drill. And then these guys are understanding, hey, third and short, this is what we're thinking. Remember the scenario. We're trying to get out of bounds. I get a first down or, or, or whatever, right? And we do goal line, um, all, all those different zones on the field. Um, and that, that's been super cool. Like, because your kids, in order to do something really fast, once they understand the situation, then it's, it's nothing, right? And so just like getting your field goal team on, we no sweat walk our hey here we go we're going to down and kill the clock it's third down fourth down the field goal team comes out get yourself up and when you can man when you can walk through that day and we actually walk through those situations we've excelled in those we've won the games on two minute drills um and everybody says flexible in schools can't you know it's one of those other lies out there that you can't come back and you two minute drill but we've been elite at it we've we've never lost a game in that scenario we won double overtime games two double overtime games we won a um, two last uh, scoring drive, last last drive of the game, go down and score under two minutes. And so we think um, the no sweat thing is helpful with that as far as concepts and things like that. And so that's that's kind of what we focus on on those days. Um, we do in order to serve our defense, um, again, like I said, to the best of our ability, because the way a defensive week is scheduled out, we do run cards for 10 minutes. So it is no sweat minus the 10 minutes of cards work we, where we run the scout offense for the defense. So, but it's been awesome. Now, coaches, um, please give coach a follow on Twitter. Um, I appreciate him coming on. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Uh, check our sponsor, Coach Pad. Um, and that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Coach, thank you for coming on. All right, man. I appreciate you, man. Would love people to reach out on Twitter at Coach Harrison FU and uh, would help help out in any way I can.